This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. Just about every one of us would testify to the power that somebody else in our lives have played, the role that somebody else played in our lives. Few of us, if any, could truthfully sing with Sinatra, I did it my way. Few of us, if any, could ever say, I had no one who ever impacted me or influenced me for good or for God. I think that would be untrue. It would be that parent or that friend or that coworker or that neighbor. Somebody impacted us. I can testify to you to the glory of God that I would not be here today if it weren't for the giants in my life. Even though my salvation is only centered and focused and based and became possible through the Son of God who died for me, and yet there was somebody who took me to a meeting and somebody who announced the good news so that I could hear it and believe it. Somebody has done something in my life, and I would never be here without these people. And whether you know it or not, and whether you believe it or not, and whether you like it or not, and whether you want it or not, each one of us are given the power by God to influence others. Every one of us have been given the power to impact others. Every one of us have been given opportunities to inspire others. Every one of us has been given the capacity to mold the lives of others. Social scientists said that we impact at least 100 people in our lifetime. I am convinced it's a lot more than that for believers. But we often fall in the trap of thinking that we cannot accomplish great things for God, that this is only something that is reserved for others. When we read biographies of great men and women of God and what they've done and how they served the living God, we say, we can't do that. There's no way I can do that. They were very special people, that they were men and women of great abilities. I don't have those abilities, that they were great men and women who were really cut above. I can't do that. Listen to me. That is why I'm calling the series of messages. They were just like us in every way. I want you to see throughout the series of messages that these men and women had weaknesses and failures and frailties and faults. I want to show you that these men and women face confusion and turmoil and fears in their lives. I'm going to show you that these men and women experienced pain, and they've experienced doubt, and they've experienced uncertainty. And yet, the one thing that the chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews tells us, the reason it registered their names in faith is hall of fame, is the one thing, and that is faith. Faith. 
It says, by faith, Abel, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham. Were they perfect people? No. By faith, Rahab, who was a prostitute. By faith, Sarah, who doubted God. By faith, Abraham, who lied and nearly got his wife to be raped by others. It was Moses who God had to send him for a 40-year anger management program. There were men and women just like us. And the Bible did not say by talent. He did not say by birthright. He did not say by hard work. He did not say by intelligence. He did not say by fame. He did not say by ambitions. He did not say by luck. No, by faith, because there were men and women just like us. They were just like us. Amen. You know, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament is James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. In fact, I love that verse so much, I wrote a book on the whole verse entitled, If God is in control, why is my life such a mess? James, the brother of Jesus, looks back into the Old Testament, and he sees what had happened by such men. And then he says, verse 17, Elijah was a man like us. He prayed fervently, and for three and a half years there was no rain. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave the rain, and the earth gave forth its fruit. He was just like us. He ran away from Jezebel. He was afraid. He was terrified. He was just like us. I am so thankful to God, the Holy Spirit, that when He inspired the men and women who wrought the Scripture, I am so thankful that the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the Word of God, when those words were written, that He did not take these people into the laundromat and washed them with Clorox and then ironed them, and starched them, and covered them up with cellophane, and then placed them on a pedestal, and so that we can look at them and say, oh, I wish I could do that. No, no, no. I am thankful to the Holy Spirit of God that this was not the case. I am thankful, and I believe there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that, because He wants you and me to look at their failure, to look at their faults, to look at their fears, to look at their frailties, and identify with them. And so that we can say, if they survived, so can I. If they succeeded, so can I. If they did it, I can do it. The Holy Spirit of God wanted us to learn how these men and women, from the depth of their despair, from the depth of their weaknesses, from the depth of their struggles, they offered themselves to God in obedience and said, we do whatever you asked us to do. God wants us to know that you can exercise their faith, that you can live by their faith, that you can accomplish things that you never thought possible, just like they did. In fact, one of the text that kind of troubled me for a long time, and I did not really have a grasp of it for a while. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ when He said, greater things you do. He's talking about greater things than He did, because I go to the Father, 
and I would be troubled by this and thinking, you're the Lord of glory, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord, the Son of God who co-eternally existed with the Father before all worlds. How can ever that be possible? And I realize today that while the Lord Jesus Christ traveled within a 25-mile radius, my voice is now carried to 191 countries around the world. Greater things you shall do because I go to the Father. I believe that with all my heart. Now, I don't have to tell you that the word faith today, I mean, it's used for all kinds of things, of believing anybody and anything, and, and, and even the word faith-based it's sort of used as an excuse for any belief in anybody and anything. And, and, and it's used in order to not use the word Christian or Christianity. Or it's a faith-based. And, and the words faith-based just become catch-all. And I believe the Holy Spirit knew that, don't you? And that is why the Holy Spirit, who knew that people are going to make a mess out of that magnificent, beautiful word... In Hebrews chapter 11, he makes sure that we understand what kind of faith he's talking about. He wanted to make sure that we understand God's definition of faith. He wanted to make sure that we understand the biblical definition of faith. Because faith in Hebrews chapter 11 is very different from this catch-all faith-based stuff. So, the Holy Spirit, before he even goes to give us the examples of these men and women, by faith, by faith, by faith, the first thing he does, which is the first thing I'm going to do today, and the only thing I'm going to do today, he gives us a definition of what faith is all about. He made sure that we understand biblical faith. What is that nature of faith that these men practiced? What is the nature of faith that you and I are supposed to practice and exercise? Verse 1, it is the assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things seen. You see, the first time he said assurance of things hoped for, somebody may say, well, I hope so. You know, we, how we use the word kind of very well, I hope it will. I'm not sure, but I hope you're right. I'm not, I hope. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about here. But just to emphasize it, just to make sure this hope is the certainty, is assurance. There's no doubt about it. He said, it is the conviction of things not seen. Ah, hear me right on this one. It is a fact. There is no human being born of a woman has seen God with their own physical eyes. It is a fact that there are very few people in the Scripture like Moses who have heard the voice of God with their physical ear. There are no human being on the face of the earth have been able to touch with their physical hand God the Father or God the Holy Spirit, only God the Son. So, what distinguishes between those who believe and put their faith in Him and those who don't? Very simply, faith. You say, well, faith is a gift of God. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You see, faith, listen to me, it is not giving an assent to certain creeds and doctrine. Faith is not saying, well, I believe certain things about God. Or I believe that God exists. No, no, no. Faith is the absolute confidence that the one who promised will keep his promise. Not may, but will. 
Faith is the absolute confidence that is willing to put everything on the line, including the most precious thing we have, and that is life itself. Faith is the absolute confidence that says, no matter how dark it may look, no matter how bleak it may appear, no matter how long it may take, no matter how contrary to the visible reality it may seem, I have confidence in the one who promised because he is able to keep his promise. So here's the important question now. Let me ask you this. Where does this confidence come from? Where does it come from? It comes from the person who promised. Let me illustrate this. Suppose there's a person known to me who is known to me to be, doesn't have much of a financial abilities. Not only that, that person is always in a financial mess. Not only that, that person is not known to be a a man or woman of wisdom or prudence. Not only that, this person really does never keep his or her word. If that person picks up the phone and calls me and is a Michael, I want you for this year to go out and buy all the airtime that you need to proclaim the gospel around the world. Well, how am I going to react to that? I'm telling you exactly how I would react. I wouldn't move a muscle. I would move from my chair. I would never pick up the phone. I would do nothing. But suppose a person that is known to me to be a man or woman of financial means. And this person is known to me to be a person who's trustworthy, a person who keeps their word, a person who would never go back in their promises, a person who is absolutely trustworthy. And if that person picks up the phone and he says the same thing to me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get out on that phone working 24 hours, 7, buying all the airtime around the globe that I can get my hand on. I'll be ready to saturate the airwave with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the difference? Is the person, is the character of the person. What's the difference? Is the individual who made the promise. You see, there's got to be a trust in the person who makes the promise. Anybody can make any promise. That's the difference. It's my confidence in that person's word, knowing before seeing a single dime, before seeing a red cent, I would move by faith because of the trustworthiness of that person. And that's what Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the confidence in God. Faith is the trusting in God. Faith is the assurance that He will deliver in all His promises. Faith always able to praise God for the things that you have not seen with your own eyes. Faith is able to thank God for things before they take place. Faith gives you the confidence to act before it becomes a reality. Faith means that you go about and do things as if it already happened, though nobody else is able to see it. You see, many people profess they believe. Oh, my goodness, so many people profess, oh, I believe. But I want to ask some questions. How does your belief change your lifestyle? How does your belief impact your business dealings? How does your belief transform your relationships? How does your belief turn your home into a haven? 
how does your belief impact your co-workers, impact your fellow students, impact your neighbors? How does it work? Faith, first and foremost, is the ability to take hold of God's promises before they happen. Faith is the eye that sees what nobody else can see. It's the ear that can hear the unheard. Faith is the mind that can conceive the inconceivable. Faith is the heart that longs for the unexpected. Faith is like two people looking at the same object. One can see it all with clarity, and the other one can't see a thing. You say, what's the difference? Oh, one has a mighty, powerful pair of binoculars, and the other one doesn't. And that's what faith is all about. That's what the difference that faith makes in your life, my life. Let me tell you something. I stake my life on what I'm going to tell you. I stake my life on it. The reason why God's people do not give to the work of God sacrificially is because of fear. And fear is the antithesis of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. And so what God's children have been doing is that they've been living in fear instead of faith. But the day is coming when you've got to get serious about faith. Verse 2, For by faith the men of old gained approval. Not by work, but by faith. When I say they were just like us, I mean it, and you will see it as we get going in this series of messages. They shared all of our weaknesses, and even worse, they were like us in every way. But I want to tell you something else. While they were all like us, they knew one thing that most Christians in this 21st century refuse to accept, and that is they knew what honors God and what does not. That's what they did. They knew that. They understood that. They accepted that. They practiced that. The difference between any two believers is not how many more sermons one can preach than the other. It's not how one can sing better than the other. It is not how many meetings a person can go to. It's not how many boards one can serve on. It is not how many activities one is involved in, Christian or otherwise. No. The difference is this. It is how much more One takes God at His word and the other one doesn't. How one says, I see it because I believe it. And the other one says, I will believe it when I see it. That's the difference. That's the difference. I was thinking about this this week. In 1970 and 71, I was working in an administrative job in Sydney, Australia. Trying to save some money, get ready to go to seminary. And I was working hard. And in my, this large organization, I was working in an engineering division. And these were all mostly engineering candidates. And part of their requirement is that they would work for several months and they go to school for a few weeks and then come back for a few months. And then when they finish, they will serve so many years in that organization. Well, part of my job was to get the information from the head office as to when the study leaves have been approved and what time. And so, many of these candidates would pop their head in my door and said, Michael, has my leave, study leave, come through? And I would look in the paper. Yep, yeah, it's right here. 
You're right. You're, you're on. Thank you, Michael, and leave. But then, every now and again, I would have this person who would come and say, now, Michael, has my leave been approved? And again, I look in the paper, and I said, yep, it's approved. And then he would stop, and he would say, show me. Show me. So I get the paper out, and I said, here it is. Here it is. That's your name. Now, let me ask you a question, and I want you to answer me. Which one honored me the most? Was the one who said, show me? God bless you. No, I was honored by the one who trusted me. I was honored by the one who took my word for it. I was honored by the one who believed in the words of my mouth. I was honored by the one who did not doubt me. I was honored by the one who had confidence in my words. Beloved, listen to me. If there is a distinguishing mark between believers and unbelievers, it is not activities is not what they claim. If there is an overriding distinction, it would be daily living out by faith. I know we are sent out to a world that is so totally focused on the visible. I know that. I know that we are sent into a world that is totally focused on what is seen. I know that we are sent into a world that is so totally focused on the importance of only what could be accomplished in this life. We are sent to a world that is totally focused on pleasing self. We are sent into a world that is totally focused on one's comfort and one's convenience. But we must stand as men and women of faith, on biblical faith, not the catch-all phrase of faith, of faith-based. Beloved, whether you know it or not, this is the kind of faith that people are desperately wanting to see lived out. They want to know what it looks like, how it's lived out. But here's the problem for all of us including your pastor. Here's the problem. We are not able to show them how because we are more impacted by their thinking than we are able to impact their thinking. We are more impacted by their lifestyle than we are able to impact their lifestyles. We are more impacted by their worldview than we are able to impact theirs. But, beloved, if the essence, if the substance, if the heart and soul of faith is obedience, then obedience or lack of it is the only thing that will stand between pleasing God and pleasing self. Obedience is the only thing that will come between living an impactful life or not. Obedience is the only thing that will come between being able to make a difference in the world or not. You see, God said, even in the Old Testament, that obedience is better than sacrifice. Do you know why? Because a person can make a sacrifice without obedience. Oh, but you cannot be obedient without making a sacrifice. The reason these men and women 
made the list. It was because their obedience led them to sacrifice. But if there's a book written right now that the list has been made, there were other names throughout 2,000 years of Christian history, men and women who were literally dipped in tar and let out as candles for Rome for the sake of Christ. Men and women of faith who gave it all and sacrificed their lives by faith. Countless others could go on that list. As I conclude, I'm going to tell you this. I can never preach on faith without thinking of one of my great heroes. I thank God as a young Christian, somebody introduced me to the biographies of great men and women of God. And I would devour these books, and I would read them. And one of my great heroes is George Mueller, a man who had an orphanage in Bristol, England. And there, all of his needs for those boys was supplied through faith alone. Never sent out an appeal letter, never asked anybody for money. He went to the Lord, and the Lord answered his prayers. Time and time and time again, not once so there can be just incidental. Time and time and time again. One morning, there was no food in the house. When I mean that, there's no food in the storage room, there's no food in the kitchen, there's no food on the table, there was no food anywhere to be seen. But he gathered the boys, as he always did every morning for breakfast, and he began to pray. Lord, Thank you for this food that we're about to receive. Now, I hate to tell you about this, but it's the truth. I remember when I read that many years ago, I said, man, if I was one of those boys, I would open one eye and look at the empty plate, and I said, no. <laughs> what food are you talking about? But you know that he had, never fin- had not finished his prayer, and knock came on the door. A local baker comes in and says, Mr. Mueller, God woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning, and he told me to bake an extra batch for your boys. Can you use some fresh bread? (laughs) He said, yes, we can. And so the bread just coming in, hot, fresh bread for those boys to eat. And they haven't even started biting into the bread, and a knock came on the door, Mr. Mueller, a milkman. And he said, my cart broke down right in front of your orphanage. (laughs) And I've got to take it to get it fixed, but the milk is going to go sour. Can you use some milk? He said, yeah, I think we can. And those boys had breakfast that morning because of faith of confidence in the one who promised to keep his promise. Beloved, listen to me. The day is coming when only those who have learned to live by faith and walk by faith are going to make it, are going to make it. And so, it is my plea with you today that you say, Lord God, I want to walk by faith and not fear. By faith and not fear. How many of you think that God is honored by this type of faith? Okay, most of you, but I want to tell you something else that God honors this kind of faith. 
It honors God, but it's the faith that God honors. Now, beloved, I know from my own personal life what it is like to trust the promise of God and to believe that it is here before it came. I know what it's like in the last 40 years and to see the God of glory always, always keep His Word. Always. So the question that I hope will haunt you, haunt me, is are we willing to be like them? They were just like us. But are we willing to be just like them? Father, in the name of Jesus, the mighty, powerful God, the one of whom says the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, that the very power of His resurrection is working in His children today. The very power of ascension is working in us today. Father, remind us afresh that it is faith that honors you and that you are the God who honors faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 